0: Hi, this is Nick Dawson, the editor in chief of Talkhouse Film, and you're listening to the Talkhouse Film podcast. I had already assigned a piece on Laura Poitras' gripping and revelatory Edward Snowden doc, Citizen Four, when James Marsh, the Oscar-winning director of Man on Wire and a regular Talkhouse Film contributor, emailed me about the movie. So instead of having him write about the film, I suggested a podcast conversation between him and Poitras. This ended up being one of the rare Talkhouse Film podcasts that was recorded in person, with it taking place in the offices of Radius. Citizen Four's U.S. distributor, the day after the film opened. And it seems fitting that a conversation about a film which tackles the subject of our total lack of privacy in the modern world would be punctuated by the sounds of sirens and mysterious banging noises coming from an adjoining office. Whether or not anyone was actually listening into to what Marsh and Portress were saying remains unknown. However, here are some of the highlights of what they might have heard.
1: Well, I've just seen Citizen Four, and... um if I can play you the compliment I think it's the most important film I've seen in many years I mean not just because of its obvious historical value or what will become its historical value because it also it's a film that just shows you the modern world in such a fascinating way as, as a film and it struck me when I was watching it I was watching firstly a great film a great piece of filmmaking a great construction of a film and also something altogether unique which was uh, the kind of pivot of history, if you like, turning, Um, which is kind of maybe not to overstate the the film's importance, but I think you can. Um, So maybe as a filmmaker, I'm curious about how you approached it on that sort of level of of making it so watchable and so gripping, Um, given the raw materials were very minimalist in a way, you know, in a in a very undramatic situation, you end up in a hotel room. It's a very sterile, kind of boring hotel room, and yet so much sort of tension and drama is playing out in this sort of banal setting. So, as a filmmaker, I was curious how you approached it. Do you see it as a as a thriller, essentially?
2: I, yeah, I mean that's an interesting question because there are two there are two experiences or two relationships that I had to material. One was kind of more how i approached it as a filmmaker which was maybe a bit more outside and how i sort of evaluated what the elements were but then also how i experienced it as a participant in the events that were unfolding and the and the events that were unfolding from the very first email was like being grabbed by the neck and pulled you know like mm-hmm. it was super intense super emotional really dangerous really frightening <laughs> really mysterious so all those kinds of you know the people talk about it as being being as a thriller and sort of think of it as a genre but actually going through the experience was actually like that I mean I I I didn't know what was going to happen one day to the next and um and then and I but I knew when I arrived in in Hong Kong in this hotel room that that I had sort of something extraordinary to be able to work with which was to document something that you you never almost never see I mean and and to have a a record of it is happening in real time. I can't think
1: of any other film, Um I was thinking one film that came to mind was The Battle of Chile, which is an account of a, you know, a revolution in Chile, an unsuccessful revolution, or what becomes something very different. But that's sort of documenting history, uh, and, but it's not enabling history, and as some, in some respects you're enabling the story to happen by your very presence. And I guess you know Edward Snowden chose a filmmaker. He didn't choose a journalist. A filmmaker was part of his idea. He approached you as a filmmaker. Um, so clearly, he was aware when he approached you that you were going to make a film. I don't think. No, no,
2: I don't think so. I don't think so. He actually approached me. He tried to approach Glenn before, but they didn't set yeah. up a, a encryption. And he approached me because he knew I was working on the topic, and because he, he th- and because I'd been put on this watch list, so that I was mm. um, aware of the. The issue and that would give I, you
1: some cachet, perhaps, yeah. in his eyes.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it gave me that, but is actually, I kind of had to push for the filmmaking part of it. I think that um, he approached me as a journalist, saying, "I'll give you documents, and the documents mm. are, you know, they're not a bunch of videos and pictures; they're, you know, they're exactly, a bunch a of prints." So yeah. it's kind of like, well, I will have to partner up with some people who, who you know, work. This is what With they a they news do. organization, yeah. because I'm actually a visual journalist or, and filmmaker, and. Um, and then in, in the course of our correspondence, he basically said that he wouldn't remain anonymous. And when he said he wouldn't remain anonymous, that's when I said, "Well, then, then we need to meet, mm. and I, I want to film." And mm. his response was no. He actually oh, really? said, "I don't want you to film, for two reasons. One was he didn't want to be the story, which is sort of a consistent theme, you mm. know." Um, and I, which is I, in the film, of course. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he didn't want to be the story, and then also he was worried about the danger of us being at the same place at the same time. So you have to realize this is someone who works in the intelligence community and who knows how it works. And so I think he was worried that, so for instance, if we were meeting and we were raided, could the reporting be stopped? In other words, he would have taken all this risk to bring all this information forward, and if we were at the same place at the same time and, and someone had heard about it, they could rate us and, and so stop his, the reporting. So his focus is, in, is really, really it's entirely on completely.
1: The, 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 objective, the objective, which is, is, is yeah. to get this, these documents and, their, and the implications of these documents out into the world.
2: Yeah. That's absolutely, and that's the risk. It's all about this information he had evidence and to get the evidence out, and he reached out to me. So it was actually I pushed for... Once once I knew he wasn't going to remain anonymous, then I said we have to have a meeting, and then that led to a series of conversations about how to do that, how to do it in such a way that if something had happened while we were in the hotel room, that the reporting could continue. So I had to make some plans that that allowed for that. But but in, back to your filmmaker question and being you know confronted with a hotel room, I was actually very. I, I walked into the room. I said, Wow, there's not a lot to work with here. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, all my sort of filmmaker Instincts was saying, like, oh, there's a lot of white here. Like, white mm. is not really, you know, the best thing to, to have to work with in video. And 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 it's a contained space and it's a generic space. I think though, I didn't appreciate the, you know, the good things that came of that. Well, the, the claustrophobia. Kind of claustrophobia. I mean, yeah. you're,
1: you, it's like you're all trapped in there, and that that's a very strong theme of the film. And what what also I've got so many other questions I want to ask you about when we started out there to follow on from what you just said, but it strikes you that the enemy, if you like, the antagonist, is invisible. Uh, and yet that hotel room, you're very aware of these unknown, un- unseeable, un- you can't see the forces that you know are going to descend upon you at a certain point. Um, which makes it, as a, f- as a film, very gripping um, that you are trapped, and there are these um, these very powerful forces that are lurking all around you, unseen, invisible. Um, Let me ask you a question that I think, you know, certainly crossed my mind as a filmmaker, when when you were first approached by Snowden, and I I asked myself the question, what would I do? And I think most of us may not have made the the choice that you made when you think about what you stand to lose. And I definitely would have made that calculation. And also, I, I guess, from your point of view, what you stand to gain, or what the world stands to gain by you making that choice. Did you agonize that choice at all? did you did you second guess it and begin to see a different future for yourself? Have you made this choice?
2: I, I think by the time he'd contacted me and so this was you know I'd been working on documenting America post nine mm. eleven and so I had seen a lot and been through a lot and in, and in a way, by the time he'd contacted me, I was at a point where I could make that decision, it wasn't like a it wasn't a tough one. Was,
1: uniquely, as a filmmaker in our sort of filmmaking circle, you know, in America, that will, that would be true. So, did did you foresee or begin to kind of project into the future what this might mean for your life?
2: I, I mean, I knew it was dangerous. I mean, there was no doubt. It was I knew it was dangerous that the person who was communicating with me had their life on the line, and and therefore I had their life in my hands, and that I knew that it was dangerous for the reporting. I mean, that's clear. Um, but I, I guess I'd been a bit toughened up. Like, there's a way that I'd, I'd for, you know, for so many years being sort of harassed, you know, at the border, and I just think, well, I'm not, gonna let, I'm not gonna let the fear of the fact that the US government is coming down on journalists and whistleblowers stop me from doing this. Like, it just becomes a calculus of, can you live with the fact that you decided not to? And, and in my case, I just, I, 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 I had a certain tolerance for risk at that point and partly it's because this is what this is my country you know i mean Mm. this is i mean if you think of the risks and the the damages that we're causing you know globally you know i'm in a position of privilege you know i can choose where i want to take risks where i want to go which is unlike iraqis or unlike people who are you know their drones flying overhead Mm. i mean I, i feel like there's a responsibility as a citizen and and also as a documentarian, I have I have some skills that are potentially of use in this you know mm. um, situation. So I, that's a decision I'd made a, a while ago, and and so but which isn't to say that it wasn't really frightening. And it mm. was I mean what you describe as a sort of unseen menacing force is something that I've felt from you know from the very early emails that I had con- and continue to this, you know this very day where I, I feel this. You know, you don't quite know where the danger is, but it feels very present.
1: And one sort of knows, you know, that there's a, there's, there's some vindictiveness in in how a government will respond to this kind of thing. And, and you know, when I have learned and read about your before you made this film, what was happening to you every time you came to the U.S. and you could no longer come to the U.S. with any kind of confidence without being humiliated and harassed and and just for for telling for telling the truth. And that, that really upset me. I remember reading about this when I was in Copenhagen and I got really upset thinking that you were paying this price in your life for, for telling the truth. Uh, and that, that, that troubles all of us, I think, in the filmmaking community that someone of our in, who's doing our work, I mean, and in your case more bravely than I've ever done, um, was being subject to this, what seemed like persecution you know
2: I don't really interpret it that way like I don't think that the US has like some thought police that, that, that looks no, at films we're giving that, them too much credit this, in a way yeah, yeah, aren't I we? think that's, it's a much more inept
1: <coughs> Yeah, I think I it's
2: inept self-perpetuating mm. secret you know um, it's kind of bureaucracy system. that just, yeah, a, it's just, a bureaucracy. just it trundles towards
1: yeah. somebody like, like you and it just has to do it
2: right and, and then once you kind of get sucked it's a more Kafka-esque you know you just can't get out with the maze and you're yeah. sucked in it and you don't know where the door is and so um so I don't feel like that it's my my films that are, you know, yeah. that... It's just you're that,
1: just a number yeah. and a name that has to be dealt with this way. But
2: the level of ineptness is kind of profound because they would, I mean, for six years, they stopped me every time. They asked me the mm. same questions. I stopped answering them. I mean, why? Like, what is the point in continuing to do that? And it in the end, it actually, like like I say, in a sense, prepared me... To make this film, right. because I had to sort of you're you know. being a v-
1: victim of some of the very same things that Snowden was hoping to expose, I guess.
2: Yeah, and and I had to learn some tools, you know, to, to just you know protect the material that I was working with it was fine. So in a way, you know, it's a um, unintended consequences of you know of of being targeted taught me a little bit about how you know to to defeat the government at their own game mm. in a certain way.
1: So it's kind of like judo, and you're using yeah. their strength against them to some yeah. extent.
2: Definitely those days in Hong Kong were the most. Um, difficult shooting days I've ever mm. done. There, there, I really was aware of the enormity of what was happening, the enormity of the risks he was taking, mm. the enormity of the risks that that we were taking as journalists, and just you know, not not knowing if somebody would walk in the door and and you know try to
1: render them you know, or something.
2: Yeah, exactly. I mean. So I actually had you know usually when I shoot, so I do my own shooting, and and I, I mean I love shooting. I mean that's what I love doing more than anything, and I love shooting verte when things are happening mm. in real time. And usually when I shoot, I I know when I'm getting when it's like, oh, that's the moment that's going to be mm. in like I can just filter it. And, and, and so it's happened in you know, conflict zones and every other situation that I've ever filmed. I knew but this situation, I was in a much more state of shock mm. and actually there were things that I completely repressed immediately that I just, like the conversation, there's a conversation where he and Glenn are talking and the camera's panning back and forth that I had no memory of ever shooting, that I mm. only saw again mm. once I got to the editing room. And I think that because of what they're talking about is how and when to make, go public, which seemed like a really risky thing to mm. do. And I think that, you know, like sort of my brain just went into like, you know, I, I need to, you know, to, in order to keep working, mm. I need to sort of just, you know, repress this for now and, and then sort of rediscover it later. So, uh, I thought that, you know, there was, you know, potential of really negative consequences for everybody, you know, in the room. And
1: maybe still, you know, let's be clear, I think.
2: Yeah, I think that, you know, there's a really, you know, powerful forces that we've angered and, you know, I know that Glenn has had threats, you know, he's been, I mean, Glenn was immediately attacked after, you know, most forcefully. And of course, you know, I don't, you know, Snowden safety is not assured either.
1: Were there other films, either documentaries or or feature films, that felt like they that you were thinking of as as you were editing the film, perhaps, or as you were you know getting involved? And I'm sure at the moment of when it was all happening, you're just focused, as you say, on what's going on. But were there other documentaries or because I I can't think of anything that is quite like this in terms of being there and documenting something like this as it happens. Um, maybe you can. Um, I, 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 I was racking my brain saying, what's this like? It's not like anything else I've ever seen. It's unique.
2: I mean, I do think, you know, I do, I'm a huge admirer of, like, the cinema verite tradition mm. of, of Maisels and Penny Baker and, and, and Wiseman, Frederick Wiseman, where, you know, there is a, an inherent... Drama to filming things as they mm. happen in real time, and so. But this was an example of you know sort of very high stakes. The stakes could not be higher yeah, in a yeah, way. The st-
1: yeah. Um, both of the you know also it's it's very much focused on one individual. Yeah. Snowden. Um, I mean, I
2: have to say, I mean, at one point I. Um, as, so my editor, I, I made this film with an extraordinary editor, Mathilde Bonfoy, and she, who, she, who edited Run Lola Run and other fiction films, she mm. also does documentary, and she hadn't seen Man on Wire, so we did a screening of Man on Wire oh, in the middle of, of editing, and because we were actually interested in this question of of courage, you mm. know, and I think that that's a portrait of courage that's actually unlike anything you know I've ever seen, and. And I think it also hinges on. I mean, I think if you hadn't, if you didn't have the sort of material, the contemporaneous um, document of how he prepared for it, mm. you know, that's what sort of gives it its, you know, sort of its pulse. And the photographs, you know, that you have these primary documents of. And also,
1: he's able to articulate his motivation, yeah, uh, and very clearly. And that's something again that, he, that his character's is going to be impugned in every which way. Right. But in in your film, he's allowed we're allowed to see. A very serious person making, taking, committing a a form of, if you like, social suicide, or or he knows his life is going to be utterly different now. Um, and,
2: it, and it is a similar kind of point of no return.
1: Exactly. It's,
2: and and why does somebody sort of whatever, either step Cross across that this threshold wire, yes. or get on a plane to Hong yeah. Kong? I mean, it's. I mean, I think on just a uh, that that's what interests me more than necessarily the the issues in the film is how does somebody reach the reach a point in their life where the personal sacrifices become worth it for whatever goal mm. that they're mm. you know seeking and. And so there's I, I, there's something that, that resonates between these two films. I'm curious. What was your imp- like? Uh, how did you perceive when the, when the stories first started to break, and wha- well, and, a- and when we published the interview? What was?
1: Well, I mean, it just struck me that um, you know all of the things you'd always, all your worst fears were true, in a way, and and secondly, I began to, I immediately had a kind of response to the thing. I had real admiration for the man who did this. Because you could see what he was, you know, what risks he was taking, how his life was going to change in in ways that were going to be probably all bad. Um, And I wish I were more shocked, in a way. Um, It just confirmed all those worst fears you had. And then I I gathered, you know, quickly that you that that obviously a film was being. I was very intrigued by the film. I thought, oh, there's going to film's going to emerge from this. Just putting a sort of professional, personal response, saying, well, I can't wait to see it. Because obviously, Laura, Laura I'd, know, I'd known your work, you know, for the, your two previous films, and felt that you were exactly the right person to be in, at the heart of this. So, part of me was a bit excited about the film <laughs> that was going to emerge. You know, when you got beyond your uh, indignation and 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 outrage, uh, but just confirming things you 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 wished you didn't think, but here they all are. Um, and you be, then you begin to kind of think about your own life and how you know, the, uh, when you see the kind of precautions that are being taken in the film and you know that you take, I'm sure, on a, on a daily basis, you can feel, I don't take those precautions, I don't encrypt things. How old
2: are your kids? Nine and eleven. Do they, they use the internet, I'm sure? They,
1: I mean, they're a generation that are going to have a different brain structure, I think, because of the internet and because of iPads and everything else. Um, and their relationship with it is very different from mine. Um, and so what that world will become in ten, I have no idea. And, and it sort of—it's it's not a happy thought, quite honestly. It feels to me that perhaps we've had the, the golden era of the internet before the golden era of surveillance. Mm-hmm. That that may no longer be true for when they grow up. Who knows?
2: And do they are, are there sort of digital? Do they have are their digital lives online? Like not yet.
1: To, yeah. We're trying to kind of like all parents trying to kind of you know make a boundary about that for all kinds of re- reasons of you know people stalking them on like, oh, all that stuff. You worry about as a parent now it just seemed to me that, you know, going back to, you mentioned the Stasi, how it used to be that you'd understand if someone opens a letter, or if someone listens in on a phone call, there's something me- mechanical about that, that you, can, you can understand that. I just don't understand yeah. how they gather all this stuff. And it's like that, that Max Weber's observation about the disenchantment of the world, that, that we trust things so implicit that we have no understanding of how they work and this is a good example of that and a very sinister example of that we don't understand any aspects or i don't because i'm an ignorant person i think most of us are like me we we don't understand how these things actually work therefore we don't do we don't uh, have the 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 right kind of arguments or or the means to stop them happening because you don't understand the technology i mean i think snowden does and that's why his his uh, his background and what he's let us, you know, he, he's very, very, clued up on all this stuff, um, and, uh, and and you see in the film how what he's doing. To, to he's hiding under bedclothes. He's he's it's striking, and and because uh, he knows the stuff that well, I don't. Know. Right,
2: I mean, he's he he knows what they're capable mm-hmm. of, and he knows he understands the technology well enough to know the dangers. And I think that, you know, they, so he can see ahead or William Binney can see ahead and how this all, mm. you know, where it is and, and how it can all play out if all you have to do is, you know, flip a switch, mm. you know. And But the good, I mean, the good thing is, and I've spent a lot of time with these communities, is that that there are people who are building tools that can resist this and that's Indeed. encryption. And that's encryption. Yeah. And, and that actually, you know, is the, pow- the powerful thing about this is that that individuals really can actually you know, secure their communication in a way that they don't have to wait for governments to... Shift. I'm going to
1: go home and do this. Yeah. I was prompted... I, I thought about it after watching the film, and now I'm going to go on the back of this <laughs> conversation and look into all this, um, because I wouldn't want my life to be constructed that way, yeah. and for that to be used against me or anyone else that I'm, I'm you know, connected to. One thing I... and feel free not to answer this, is how your life has changed, I guess, from the films that you've made, and how how you reconcile yourself to that, that your work has determined a very different destiny for you than, for example, mine has.
2: I mean, yeah, I definitely feel like that I've been documenting and also sort of caught into, uh, caught by historical circumstances and what's happening in the US. And so um, it, I think I began the work that I'm doing in a much more naive frame Mm. of mind and thinking that what was happening in the US was kind of, you know, a moral drift and that it would come back to something, Mm. you know, more... Aligned with basic principles of of the country, and and now I'm 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 not so certain. You know, it feels that we just keep moving um, further and further away from I think some basic principles, and so I I've become more skeptical of mm. of, of the government and what it's yeah. Where I mean, actually, you know, having Obama come in and institutionalize or not exactly. undo some of the Bush policies mm. and not look into things like torture. I mean, this. I just think, how is history going to judge this? Well, very like, badly. How, yeah. If
1: you think about Watergate and what then happened on the back of Watergate... It's, yeah, uh, it's which like is a petty crime. But in fact, in a sense, exactly, not a comparable uh, ish, aspect at all. And the, the absence of reckoning with torture, I think, is something that will yeah. come back to haunt us.
2: In a certain way, I feel like this film is really about people like, well, OK, the government... I mean, there's no moral leadership in the government mm. right now in the United States. And so now there are people who are saying, well, these are things, these are things that... That the public should know, and mm. that, um and so you know, Snowden or William Binney or journalists who are working, Jeremy Scahill that I work with, I mean, people who are just saying like, yeah, no, like these are these, these things are wrong. It's not just about politics. It's not about left right. Mm, it's exactly. like there's certain things that are just simply wrong. You know mm. that I mean, dro- the drone program right now, mm. it's just it's appalling. I mean, how how are we a country now that flies, you know, well institutionalized I mean, murder it's, essentially. It's, it's, and uh, I don't know, but, but help me understand how, why Europe isn't more outraged by this and just, I mean, isn't there, why is there not more of a European response to what the US is doing?
1: Well, it's a good question. Um, and, you know, I, I think my the government, you know, Br- British government has b- been assiduously following, enthusiastically overstepping, Part, I mean, as they say, as you say in your film, like they're, they're the worst offenders of all for no reason whatsoever, right. quite honestly. Um, and there's sort of there's a big disconnect between the actual threat and what this is all about. The actual threat is, in a sense, l- both more. I mean, the the whole history of Iraq is, it's so absurd. What happened? What where we now are in Iraq? It's mm-hmm. just. And I, again, there's where's the commentary on that? Yeah. That we have a situation in Iraq now in Syria, where. You know, we have a the, you know the worst kind of terrorist faction, empowered by American weaponry, from an army we spent billions and billions training to. You know, it's just preposterous right. yeah. that that f- the folly of Iraq and the fo- folly doesn't really begin to to describe it because hundreds of thousands of people have been killed, innocent people largely as a result of this. Um, and you combine that with torture and surveillance, you think this is a really fucked up. And how did we get to this point based on, you know, what I saw with my own eyes 9-11 that happened just down there. And I'm, I'm not sure where you were when that happened. Yeah, it was in New York. As You're well. in New York. So we yeah. saw that. I saw one of the buildings fell down. You probably had your own, as we all did, all New Yorkers here had their own subjective experience of that. How did they then use our reaction in New York, which was a very, I think, very beautiful reaction after, after the actual. How did that turn into this?
2: to get back to your question of how this work has impacted my life personally i mean i actually feel it's um i've definitely had to make some sacrifices um doing it i mean i'm often traveling for a long time and it's hard to maintain relationships and friendships mm-hmm. and stuff but right now i feel that i'm actually surrounded that there there is actually a community of people that that are willing to, to come forward or take risks or put themselves on the line in different kinds of mm. ways, not just whistleblowers, but the journalists that I've been working on, or even the people who've f- supported the film. So it does feel like they're, that it's actually um, there is something happening. There's something yeah. that's happening that's that's questioning these mm. que- the w- these policies that you know the U.S. government, U.K. government, and others are are moving in, and whether or not that will change anything, I don't know. But at least we're trying.
1: What do you think you might be doing next, if I can ask a leading question?
2: I'm interested probably more in working different ways than I am in different thematic concerns. Right. So I, I, you know, I love doing long form, but there is something about the, um, the b- burdens of, of the narrative yeah. that you have to make choices mm. that maybe are not always, that there are other ways to work where other choices can be made, and uh, so I'm doing. I'm going to do something for a museum. I'm going to do something at the Whitney, which will allow me to sort of just be less linear. Like yeah. I, I like the idea of being less linear, more hybrid. Not not being sort of like there is something about you know story that is so you know relentlessly yes. demanding. like <laughs> demanding. Yeah. You just you cannot. It's you 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 it it, it knows if you. Mm. If you'd like go astray, you mm-hmm. know, you can't say, Well, I really love this, but it doesn't fit in the story, but I'm going to keep it in. You know, it's it's it. and so I so I just want to maybe challenge myself in working in so different more, ways,
1: which has more free association in it, perhaps. just more yeah. m-
2: more that gives more, um, that the that the audience or viewer can make decisions about how much the, the linear narrative of, of how to enter. Did you see there's a really great, um, the Bowie exhibition that's going around? Did you see it no, at I seen it, yeah. It's I'm really great. I'm a huge great. fan, of course. So i, um, I well, have yeah, yeah. I saw it in Berlin, and it's, it's really fantastic. Great place to see it, I Yeah, think. Of, of course, yeah. Yeah, Berlin, I mean, you know, there's whatever, Bowie and the Romantic so, Berlin I mean, Days. Those,
1: those, those two great, I mean, Low. Yeah. The, that would have been a great soundtrack for your film.
2: Yeah, actually, I thought about contacting him, but, it, you know. Well, you never know. Yeah, um, um, uh, but it's it's you know you as a you enter into a space and the way it works is that you have these headphones and they're attached to sensors. So if you look at something one, you get one audio, and if you're near another, idea. you another audio. So you're it, the audience has a way of navigating their own. So it's more of a subjective experience, opposed to the film.
1: You sit there and you yeah, watch. Yeah, exactly. It. Where we control um, the cuts. But I think that's, that that sounds like a really fascinating idea to sort of do the, the work you do and to have you know. the some of the evidence that you have, if you like, and the, the drama of what you have, and some of the the, the real need for, for thinking about what this means and what it means for me personally, yeah. which is what the film does, again, rather brilliantly, I think, is it, it puts it down on to you again at the end. You know, as a as a viewer, if you, if you respond to the film, and, and I think most people will, um, you're left with a question, what do I do about this? Yeah, H- I mean... How we, do I we change di- my behaviour, or how do I change what I do to, to somehow push back against this.
2: Yeah, I mean we, we definitely wanted a narrative that pushed outside of the frame. Yeah. That it does that. that didn't offer any you know, closure, as we yeah. say, in third act structure. Mm. Um, and and that I'm really interested in and and just interested in yeah, like just pushing myself in different directions. I mean, I don't know how you do. You do you write your the narratives? yeah I do. do? Uh,
1: but certain certain things I've. written. How do you go yeah. about
2: the writing process?
1: Uh, it's kind of a painful one, to be honest. Um, it's four hours a day, and then no, and no more. And uh, and essentially writing what you know.
2: And do you, do you do do you say there's Act One, Act Two, Act Three, or do you say
1: I kind of just blunder into it, and and you sort of write your way into something. I, I'm I'm one for. Writing lots and then editing, like like in a film, like you yeah. shoot a lot and then you you cut it down and you what you leave out is really what the story is. Is that right. what remains is the story? That's how I do, anyways, is to just keep writing, yeah. and most of it's rubbish. But then eventually you begin to find stuff that bears scrutiny. After a while, yeah. is is that something you want to do, dramatic? F- filmmaking? Fiction. I
2: mean, I actually have, I've you know, I've been asked that. I mean, to me, I I feel like maybe one of my best skills or um, tolerances as a filmmaker is my um, I like uncertainty. I like not knowing what's happening. So you like happening. the free style. I like the... Of, yeah. I, like the who I can't knows, stand it. Who knows, who knows where this is going to yeah. go? And that's exciting attitude towards filming in a yeah. Verte style. So you're really with... So I'm, I've never really felt myself a storyteller until I started working in Verte documentary mm. because I don't imagine the whole universe that I'm creating and where it will end. I mean, I'm mm. much more in the present thinking this is interesting and who knows where it's going to go and being open to all sort of possible uh, and there's something about that that feels very vital and that feels like kind of the lifeblood of the work that I do and I worry that if I was doing fiction that all that would be sort of stripped away because you actually You're know right,
1: where actually I mean it's also knowing your strengths as a filmmaker allows you to refine them and you know I couldn't do that I, I'm not a, I tried to make a verite film and I found it really really difficult <laughs> I liked I mean my documentaries tend to be reconstructing stories that pre-exist in a way and finding at sort of the dramatic shape of them as history has left them behind for me to do. You're like an archaeologist that begins to add things to the building to make it yeah. whole again. And what you do, what verite filmmakers do, which I kind of, and my favourite documentaries are all verite documentaries. I'm a huge fan of Frederick Wiseman. Yeah,
2: it's fantastic. Um,
1: the sort of poetic yeah. sort of uh, verite, if you like. Um, and I found that to be uh, frustrating. I couldn't shape it. I couldn't construct it the way I wanted to. Um, I always missed the best moments when I was shooting it. I always would always miss the, the thing that was supposed to be you know, the most thing gonna I think was going to happen. I missed it, and I'm just not good enough to do that, quite honestly. I think or it's patience. Yeah. I think it's
2: patience and, and it's a certain patience, kind of tolerance. Exactly.
1: It's a huge amount of patience. It's a much more time-consuming adventure, and you got to know also when you start a film, it may not be a film. Yeah.
2: That, yeah, yeah, that yeah. There's that, all that, it's it just all around. Yeah.
1: And, and um, life being short, I kind of can't <laughs> accept those those stakes, you know. Yeah. Enough to people who are listening to this because it, it's nothing like I've ever seen before. Um, and, uh, it, and it also delivers on a, on a level, as, a, as, as I said at the beginning, of as a film. It's not just a, a documenting of a historical moment. Yeah. It's actually a really, dare I say it, sleek film and a, a kind of cool film to watch visually. And it felt like a kind of, like almost a step forward from the work you've done before on that level. It did feel really elegant. Um, as, a th- as a thriller if I can call it that and that, that will help people go and see it too I think because it's really really gripping
2: yeah, I, I, I mean, one of the most interesting things about the response to the film, I mean, I've been doing documentaries for a long time, and I meet people, and I tell them what I'm working on, and the response is always, well, you should interview so-and-so. Yeah. I have to like, I had to stop them and say, no, 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 this, I, I do, I sort of, I go to places, and things are happening, and I yeah. film, and then people keep saying, you should interview, you should interview, and then, so this is an example where I can say, well, yeah, this is what I mean by not interviewing, yeah. it's, yeah, you know what's happening, but it's something, there's some kind of human drama that's actually Helpable in the moment, and it's not about knowing the facts, but it's about seeing choices that people make, and all the—I mean—drama is all about action
1: and choice, as you say. And And this film is utterly about choice, and one of the choices is yours, of course, to make it in the first place and to respond to that initial, you know, uh, email that you got. When did you shout to Snowden? If—if you have, I'm sure you have.
2: Have I, what did yeah. I? yeah Has so, you seen the film yeah so my editor Matilda and I went made a trip to Moscow right before we locked we were still we wasn't fully locked um, um, it changed you know quite a bit it was probably three um, three weeks or a month before we finished and he um, we screened it um, we we brought a projector and we screened it for him and Lindsay Mills his mm. partner who's now living with him and um and so it was intense' I bet. As particularly because for her yeah because she you know she experienced this all very differently. She was, you know, she learned what was happening. She was seeing the news, you know. Mm. And then to sort of be in the hotel room when it was happening and to mm. see her partner and being... I think had no knowledge to, like, that this is what he yeah, was about had, to do. Right, amazing. Yeah, she had great. No, and, and so, so I felt there was a sort of palpable, you know, uh, sense of sort of emotional... Um, uh, reliving of things, uh, and and then they, but she's she's actually an artist, so she was incredibly. I could tell that she needed to process. I mean, take a minute, and before she could mm. talk about it, because it was very personal for her. But she approached it really as an artist, and and. Um, so she, and she was great she really as a film yeah she really saw it as a imagery film imagery being so yeah, there was a, powerful and yeah there's a couple things that, that Snowden said well he talked about the hands at the end he said that's a little bit arty you know like removing the pieces of paper at the end and she was well, like she was like but well, no no it's really she was like she she was they had a conversation it, about funny, that it's funny quite honestly
1: yeah. I mean it's both funny and yeah. oh my god they have to do this
2: yeah I mean it's right it really is what we do. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't just made up and I there's mean, wit in this film yeah.
1: elsewhere too you know I mean yeah. often it's of, of the savage ironical yeah. version of wit um, but and did, did, what did Snowden think
2: Well, he was you know I, I was really what I was worried about is that he would have some expectations he knew I was making yeah. a film and that he would sit down with lots of expectations about what he thought would be the right film or the film to make mm. and there was none of that I mean he's and I think that's just partly his, his nature he's really you know he sees people for you know he, he didn't try to you know project into what he wanted or what you know the film he thought I should make, and his you know his response was great, and he was there was no vanity notes, mm-hmm. there were no, it, you know he had a lot of he had not, lots of notes about basically what is called operational security like what's in each frame knowing each frame is going to be stopped frame by frame not right, by not examined. by film students yeah. but by not other by people <laughs> <And> maybe <laughs> and by film students hopefully at some point but, but you know it's, by intelligence agencies are going to yeah. stop this and so we talked about he he well, made a lot of notes about, I hadn't
1: thought of that part of it of course yeah
2: no. so like things like we did so full his
1: mindset was coming at the same total. way he did everything else yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean I
2: think I haven't talked to him since we've done the release I, I mean I haven't had a lot of downtime and I talked to him on a particular computer that's more secure and I haven't been able to to really spend time and I also just wanted it to to play out you know so I think he's mm-hmm. going to be a little bit surprised that the world is as interested as it is yeah. With yeah. what happened and um, and I hope uh, in, in not a bad way yeah
0: This is Nick Dawson from Talkhouse Film and you've been listening to James Marsh and Laura Poitras in conversation on the Talkhouse Film podcast. The episode was engineered and edited by Elia Einhorn. For more filmmakers talking film and TV, visit slash film Subscribe to Talkhouse Film and Talkhouse Music podcast on iTunes where you can find all our previous episodes. And while you're there, please rate and review if you can.